We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, and I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Very special show today. It is our final regular season old rush from the 2011 season. We're going back through, and we're re-watching 49ers games from the start of the Jim Harbaugh era, and then we'll kind of work our way through we might have to put the brakes on it if football does come back, which it looks like the NFL is going to try and make it happen. We'll see. I'm not super optimistic, but yeah, crossed. I think we'll have time for for more old rush episodes. I hope so. This one was very fun. It's week 16, Christmas Eve day, Christmas Eve afternoon, Christmas Eve. Uh, Niners at Seahawks. When Crabtree saved Christmas. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> So much so that I forgot that play happened until we talked about it the other night. And then I went and looked it up and was like, oh, yeah. So there's an unconfirmed story uh, about this game. We're diving I, in, by the way. That's what we're doing. Keep going. Yeah. So um, Michael Crabtree had a big 41-yard reception that led to a go-ahead field goal late in the game. Spoiler alert, 49ers won. Um, and apparently... Uh, according to at least one one person who was in the press box, I was not covering the team then. I was I was still at Ohio State though. I was probably home uh, for Christmas break at this point. Um, but you went to Ohio State. 
Yeah, I did. We can talk about that later, too, because there's there's another funny Ohio State angle in this. Um, there apparently was a high-ranking 49ers offensive coach who went into or who was walking from his coaching booth down to uh, the field or at least on his way to the elevator, which is you have to walk behind the press box where all the reporters are. And you had a high-ranking... 49ers offensive coach who will be unnamed because I could not confirm this story with multiple sources um, who said Merry fucking Christmas <laughs> and uh, it was a very it was a very happy 49ers group um, because it was a key game for them big win it was a big win because they were fighting for the uh, the, the the number two seat the bye behind the top seeded Green Bay Packers, and they needed to um, they needed to win this game to ensure that what ended up being the biggest playoff game of really, I mean, one of the biggest playoff games in team history uh, against the Saints, which will probably be up next in our Gold Rush series. I think that's right. Um, that game was at Candlestick Park because the 49ers had the conference tiebreaker over the Saints, who also finished the year 13 and three. So this was a this was a big win, and it Isn't looked what like this year? what's that? That's exactly what happened this year. Yeah, and it's also what happened in 2013, except uh, the Ahmad Brooks hit on Drew Brees that ultimately cost the 49ers that game. Ended up costing the 49ers the division, ergo going to Carolina and Green Bay and Seattle in the playoffs where, of course, they lost, and a lot of people think, including yours truly, if the 49ers were, if they had escaped that New Orleans game with the win, they win the division, and maybe that 2013 season ends a little bit differently um, if they were able to host the NFC title game instead of going up to play Seattle. But that's neither here or there, because we're here to talk about Michael Crabtree saving Christmas. Yeah, we sure On are. Christmas Eve. So... If you remember from our, our last Old Rush pod, which we did a few weeks back, if you've missed any of them, go through. We've done uh, week weeks uh, one, four, six, and 15. No, 10 and 15. Yeah. I don't remember all the weeks. I just remember which games. One, four, six, ten, 10, and 15. That's right. The Niners have already clinched the NFC West, and they're going to Seattle to face a Seattle team that gave him a little trouble back in week one. Ted Ginn had the two kick returns to, to make that game look a little more lopsided than it actually was in a 33-17 Niners win. And remember, this is a Seahawks team that wasn't going to make the playoffs, but looking back on it now, and especially watching this game, I don't know how you felt about it, but as I was watching, and I I tweeted about it the the next day. I went and found a tweet on on Twitter where I'd said the Seahawks are a good quarterback and a healthy O line away. And of course, the very next year they draft Russell Wilson, and they become this dominant team that's been a playoff contender every year since. Was Bobby Wagner in the 2012 draft too? I think he was 13. Let me confirm that. Yeah, but, Bobby Wagner was not on the field in this game, and that no, was yeah, Bob, he was also the following year. Twenty. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember Wilson and Wagner being in the same draft. That was a pretty good draft for for Seattle. <laughs> really, uh, Richard Sherman that, was rounding out his rookie career in in uh, week one. He was not a starter, right. and did not have a particularly effective game as a gunner on special teams or in kick coverage, and uh, which factored into Ted Ginn scoring those two fourth quarter special teams touchdowns which is something we talked about ad nauseum, which is a, a funny thing to look back on, the fact that Richard Sherman, in the first game of his career, not starting, um, struggled on special teams, which is one of the reasons the 49ers won that game. And now Richard Sherman's a starter, and he was excellent in this game, save, yeah, for, was... maybe, save for maybe a, uh, a horse collar tackle he had on Frank Gore. On, on, uh, I, th- I believe it was a touchdown drive, if I'm not mistaken. I was watching... I found myself watching Sherman almost exclusively... Because I wanted to jump on here and be like, wow, it's amazing watching young Richard Sherman move versus watching him now. But it's just the same. <laughs> like, he's never yeah. been, he's just never been a super athletic guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's athletic enough for sure, right. but his yeah, game I, was never predicated on athleticism. Yeah, so I was expecting to see this like much different version of him, but no, it's just, 
it's kind of the same. Like you said, he's athletic enough, and he's just kind of smarter than everybody else on the field. And it was, like like I said, in 2011, I wasn't sitting there watching Richard Sherman going, oh, wow, future All-Pro. But watching it now, you can see why or see where the building blocks were, especially right. just for the whole defense. And right. And so I, many good players. And also, this win in 2011 that the 49ers had in Seattle would be one of two wins they had in the in the aughts, in the 20 aughts or the 20 teens. That's no, the sorry, worst 20 thing. teens. Don't say that. Just to... the 20 teens. <laughs> the 2010s. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, their last win until they went up there and won this year. Right. Yeah, it was 2011 and then they went it took until 2019 to to win in Seattle. Um which speaks volumes and yeah, Russell Wilson's arrival had a lot to do with that, particularly looking at um Seattle's quarterback situation in this game and of course uh, we'd be remiss in, in not mentioning the fact that uh, Tavares Jackson sadly passed away back in April in a car accident, but he started this game for the Seahawks. And, um, you know, he he was uh, relegated to backup duties later on, but a pretty good NFL career. Uh, I think he was he was in the league for almost a decade, but kind of kind of sad and, and a little bit jarring to watch him playing, knowing that he, he passed away this offseason. Yeah. Um, so RIP to him. And be, I thought it would be different watching the second game, and it was still it was still kind of strange for sure. Yeah. So he actually opened the game with a 13 yard touchdown pass to Doug Baldwin, who please uh, you and I are both big into uniform numbers. Like mm-hmm. we're convinced that a guy's number has an effect on how good of a player he's going to be. Yeah. And Doug Baldwin is wearing number 15 in this game. If it looks really weird. It looks very strange because we know Doug Baldwin had a very good career with the Seahawks in number 89. Chris, why did he change from number 15? Uh, to give number 15 to Matt Flynn the following offseason, who was a big quarterback <laughs> addition, uh, who had one good game with the Packers. The Seahawks signed him in free agency. I forget what the deal was, but it was ludicrous at the time, and it's still ludicrous. And then Russell Wilson ended up beating him out for the starting job as a rookie. Um so, Doug Baldwin switched numbers from 15 to 89, uh, and I thought 89 was actually a good look for him. Yeah, way better, way way better number for for a receiver of his style, I think. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, that was one of the funny things. I was like, Doug Baldwin's wearing 15. Like, why is that happening? Because I completely forgot. I had forgot about that, and uh, and I googled it, and it was like, yeah, he's he gave up his number for Matt Flynn. So Matt Flynn could the big free agent addition of the offseason to play quarterback. Tough. Very tough. <laughs> so this game was really back and forth, and it kind of would go on to color what the next three years of Niners Seahawks matchups would kind of look like, right? Just kind of an ugly knockdown drag out game. These teams hated each other. Big time. There and were lots just, of fights, lots of scuffles. And you could just like anybody listening to this remembers the Niners Seahawks games, they were always, there was always a little something extra to them. Yeah. It's like a, almost like a, like a Steelers Ravens game. Like you just watch those and it's like, man, it's, this is like a playoff game almost. And that's how this game was. Even though the Seahawks were uh, six and uh, excuse me, seven and seven going in and, and out of the playoff hunt, the, the Niners only won this game by, by two points and they needed a, a couple of different comebacks and a couple of Seahawks gaffes to, to get there. And watch it again. This is all in hindsight. It's just so clear that the a rivalry between these two teams was inevitable. And I don't think I realized that at the time because their quarterback play was so erratic and their offensive line was not good that it just it seemed impossible for the them to be able to be as good as the Niners the next year. Yeah, you you saw the makings. Like their defensive mm-hmm. line was really good. Um, I don't know if anybody knew Richard Sherman would be a star at that point, just after his rookie season. But obviously, he ascended to the starting lineup. Um, Earl Thomas was already really good. He was flying around, making a lot of plays, and Cam Chancellor was there too. So you have three three prominent members of of the Legion of Boom um, playing at a pretty high level at that point. And really, as you mentioned in your in your tweet earlier, that they were just an MVP quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender (laughs) (laughs) as is like every team but right (laughs) so kind of back and forth game uh let's let's start with 
Well, how about Sean Kemp raising the twelfth man flag? Yeah, let's start there. That was cool. I, I like the I like the raising of the twelfth man flag as like a tradition. I think that's a cool thing. The Niners have the the foghorn. I don't know if it has the same effect in Santa Clara. I don't know if if I mean it doesn't. It, it's foggy in Santa Clara, but it's not like San Francisco, obviously. And it's it's trying to. It's a nice touch, I think, though. Yeah, I guess. Like, but like think? the ceremonial, like buttoning of the jeans. Like, <laughs> if you if you go to a Seahawks game, like whoever raises the flag is a big deal. Like all the pageantry um, that the Seahawks have pregame is pretty well done, and they do a good job of getting the crowd fired up. Yeah. I don't know if there's the same level of of pageantry before the game at, at Niners games that that has the same effect. I don't know if like the foghorn. I can think of two people. Quite works. I can think of two people I remember being the Foghorn person. One was Quan Alexander after he oh. got hurt. Okay. And another one was Dan Buns. I believe it was for the divisional playoff game against the Vikings. Patrick Will Quan pa- Alexander had the goal line stop. Patrick Willis did it. Or not Quan Alexander, but Drager and Okay. Yeah, Patrick I, Willis I did what for one that. game last year. I forget which one. I'm oh, sure yeah, Jerry Rice. A bunch of people were like chasing Willis around in pregame. I remember that. I'm sure Jerry Rice has because he's had a lot of home games. I don't. Do you do you think he's done it or is he saving all his time to run routes on the field? I mean, he could do both. Could he though? It was was it the Packers game where Rice did a hundred yard sprint on the field before the game? That might have been the most fired up I've seen a crowd. Um, before a game at Levi's. Was it the NFC title game? I think it was. I was not there. Okay. I was sorry. not given a credential. Oh, sorry. I don't know why you got to bring up old shit, but that's tough, fine. Tough scene. Sorry. <laughs> Very rough. Very <laughs> rough for your boy. Especially <laughs> since I, I hit up the the people I typically hit up, and they were like, sorry, can't help. It's like, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. league, league takes over credentials yeah. for the, for championship rounds. For I anybody put Candlestick listening. Chronicles on the thing and everything, and they they still didn't. I guess they didn't want such a big celebrity going in there and like you know. Taking yeah, we got we got people in that PR staff to talk to. I don't know if they listen yeah. to the pod, but um, pretty unbelievable. Tessa Giamona, we need to have a conversation. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so <laughs> this is kind of a, a very uh, just moving on. This is a very 2011 49ers game. They scored 19 points. Four field goals and one touchdown. <laughs> a missed field goal. A missed field goal. Alex Smith, 14 of 26 for 179 yards, no touchdowns. Three of 14 on, on third down. I mean, it was just, it was such a, like, people seem to remember Alex Smith, like, just being in in sports talk radio out here and taking calls and stuff. The the revisionist history on Alex Smith's 2011 season is pretty wild. He was not he was not very good. He just didn't throw the ball to the other team. He just the, and he he made some plays with his legs. In fact, he made a couple of uh, good plays with his legs that I want to mention from this game. But it's just even now watching him drop back, I just have no confidence that when he lets the ball go, it's going to get completed. Think about this. He started 16 games and threw for 3,144 yards. <laughs> right, so that's that's 196 yards per game. I'm going to look something up right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, he didn't turn the ball over. He had, he led the league with a 1.1% interception rate. He threw five picks on the year, 17 touchdowns. So that like, was it. That's just, he just didn't... And he just, here's, a, here's another crazy thing. I mean, this was coming off the lockout, and you have a first-year head coach in Jim Harbaugh, so it was going to be a little bit funky, but everybody remembers Alex Smith for like this, this awesome efficiency. 7.1 yards per attempt, 61.3% completion rate. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, yikes. Not, not very good. The next year, he completed 70% of his passes, obviously a huge step up, and averaged over uh, 8 yards per attempt, or right at 8 yards per attempt, before getting bench for Colin Kaepernick. Um, but yeah, the Alex Smith's 2011 season, uh, I mean, the Niners were a defensive team. They were a defensive team that liked to run the ball and did not have a, uh, particularly impressive 
play caller for crucial situations, in my opinion, looking back, now that we've watched a bunch of 2011 games. Is that fair? So, yes. <laughs> okay. I think that's right. right. The revisionist history on Jim Harbaugh has been interesting as well. Not revisionist history, the remembering of Jim Harbaugh? It's funny because it was forever. Jed York monumentally screwed everything up. Jim Harbaugh was the guy they should have kept. Blah, 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 blah. And now it's like Jim Harbaugh is sort of toiling in mediocrity without winning any big games at Michigan, and the Niners are back to contending. Yeah. And I don't think there's anybody um, who really knows anything who would be like, oh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh would be a better coach to have right now than Kyle Shanahan. It just took the Niners a while to get to the point that they needed to get to. Okay, I have a great thing to add to this. Okay. So Alex Smith in 16 games in 2011 threw for 3,144 yards, as you mentioned. Yes. Since 2009, four quarterbacks have started 16 games and thrown for fewer than 3,200 yards. Two of them were 49ers starters under Jim Harbaugh. Wow. They like to run the ball. Oh, wait. Did I say that wrong? Sorry. Yeah, no, a hundred and yeah, yeah. Um, the Niners ran the ball forty four. times in this game. Yeah, that was our offense. It was just, and it was a lot of weird stuff too. It was a lot of the like toss left and then designed cutback right stuff, or that weird like from the pistol that like straight back toss where the running back just goes straight ahead. I don't know exactly what it's called. Right, it and they didn't have range. Right, they. They, they didn't have Josh Morgan, who was lost early in the year with a broken leg, who was one of their starting receivers. Um, and Ted Ginn, who was getting a lot of play, uh, did not play in this game either with an ankle injury. So the Niners' receivers were Michael Crabtree, Kyle Williams, and Braylon Edwards, who we'll talk about later. Um, <laughs> Boy, will we. <laughs> Braylon Edwards didn't have a great year in 2011. <laughs> I'm just like it's it's amazing. We've harped on this a lot, but we it's have. pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable that Braylon Edwards was getting playing time and cashing checks in 2011. He was really not good. I think he played one more year in the NFL too. It wasn't it wasn't great. And he was hurt. Like he he was dealing with an injury all year, but still. Like stop stop routes to Braylon Edwards were like a major part of the passing game. <laughs> guys, just, guys, guys, I've got this great play design. Yeah. All right, Braylon, you're going to run 10 yards, and you're going to stop. Just stop. And, and, and the ball's going to come to you. And then turn your back to the defender so you can't run after the catch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> something something happened on Kyle Williams' first return, and Kyle Williams in a couple of these games has had to return or, or do something with the football, and it feels <laughs> like he was putting the football on the ground a lot. He did twice. He fumbled. He dropped the ball twice in this game, and they were ruled down. They weren't fumbles. It just, like, he put the ball on the ground way too often. And maybe I'm misremembering over the last several we've done, but it just feels like bad things happened when Kyle Williams is around the ball. And he had a couple of really nice punt returns in this game, too. And he had a couple of nice plays with the 49ers, but... It was just watching him return punts and kicks and knowing now what happens in the NFC Championship game. Right. It feels like he never should have been back there. But they didn't have any other options. I mean, they had a really good... Alan Rossum wasn't available? I don't know, man. <laughs> I was I was finishing up college at this point. I was yeah. in my second to last quarter. I'm amazed you remember any of this. I don't really like. That's why I why I rewatch these games. It was my second to last quarter in school. I was in the Midwest and uh, watching games at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wow! Believe it I'm or gonna, not, hey. the uh, the Niners. Well, they were good in 2011, so like they were getting some some airtime on the prominent TVs in um, mm-hmm. at Buffalo Wild Wings. But like when I first got to Ohio State in 2009. Um, yeah, I was there for three years after going to junior college. Uh, sorry to brag, but, um, (laughs) you had to fight, you had to try really hard to find a 49ers game, like on TV. You had to try really hard to watch a 49ers game in 2009 too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they stuck. 
They weren't so, very good. No, they were not. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, the I'm gonna peel back the curtain real quick. Okay. For everybody, we have a section coming up here called "Things I Forgot Happened." Mm-hmm. It's all of the things. I, <laughs> it should be things I remember happened. Well, so that's more you have you have kind of a funny story about like where and how you watch this game. Uh, Is that yeah, for we'll do, public consumption? Or yeah, we do, edit yeah, I can do out? a short version of it. Okay. I turned 21. This is December of 2011. I turned 21 in August of 2011. Family went up to Tahoe for Christmas. So me and my mom and a couple of my cousins went to this little dive bar. I don't want to call it a dive bar. It was, an, it was a decent bar, but it was a small bar in Tahoe. So there's eight people in there or whatever. And we are drinking like it's the end of the world and the bartenders are just going shot for shot with us and the list of things we drank was obnoxious and um at one point when larry grant forced the fumble on tavares jackson that helped kind of seal the game i started banging on the bar super hard and yelling and my mom just very calmly like kind of does like a soft elbow to my shoulder and like leans in and goes, you're being that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I remember there, there's just a lot of things that, like I said, I didn't even remember the Crabtree play, which was like a huge play in the season. And I just didn't remember it happening because I was uh, um, inebriated, I believe is a professional term. It happens. It does. Um, it happens to the best. I, of us. I don't think I'm the only person, either on this podcast or listening to this podcast. Shout out to our listeners, who who have been intoxicated while watching a football game. So I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not. I'm not ashamed. No. Shout comment. out to my family too. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah, that's a good story. Um. Back to the game, though. So it was an okay story. Yeah, it was an okay story. Um. It's funny that you were that guy. Yes, I, I appreciate that in public. When when my goal to, when I go in public is to just not be that guy, and I was. I don't know if I've ever been that guy. Blame it on the alcohol. Yeah. Um. So the Niners went on a sixteen to three run from early in the second quarter to or early in the fourth, but then some craziness happened, and uh, Andy Lee, who we've talked about. I don't want to say extensively on on the old rush episodes, but like he's gotten some he's gotten some run as the best punter in the league that year, and a guy who is just like really kind of a dominant punter, which is a funny sentence to to mutter, but he actually <laughs> was. True, um, he w- he was an underrated aspect of why the defense was so good um, because of field position and things like that. But he had a punt blocked, and the Seahawks. It was early in the fourth quarter, I want to say, and the Seahawks recovered, and then Marshawn Lynch scores uh, the first rushing touchdown on the very next play that the Niners' defense allowed that year. And this is Week 16, the second to last yep. game of the season, snapping the longest streak to that point. I believe the streak still stands in NFL history um, for team for defenses preventing a rushing touchdown. So the 49ers went 15 plus games without allowing a rushing touchdown. And Lynch also had 100 yards on the ground, which was the first time all year the 49ers had allowed a 100-yard rusher. The first time since week 11 of 2009, 35 consecutive games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. Yeah. And Patrick Willis wasn't in this game uh, because of a hamstring injury, which should be noted. But so then the Seahawks take the lead with a touchdown. Uh... Alex Smith drops back, finds Michael Crabtree on a deep pass, 41 yards, sets up the go-ahead field goal, and then Seahawks take over. Larry Grant forces a fumble of Tavares Jackson, Ohio State's Larry Grant. And the reason why I bring up Ohio State in this conversation is because you see his tattoo on the inside of his right bicep when he's going to force the fumble, and during... Uh, it wasn't was it my last year at Ohio State? Gosh, I don't. It was so 2011. Yeah, it was it was the last year, uh, my last year at Ohio State. Or I guess this was this might have been a year earlier, but it was Christmas break 2010, so a year earlier. Um, buddies of mine on the Ohio State school paper broke the the tattoo parlor story, and oh, wow. 
a lot of Ohio State players had these really elaborate Blocko tattoos. The Blocko, of course, is like the big right. red O, the Ohio State logo. And so a lot of the football players had tattoos centered around the Block O. And it was just hilarious to be like, oh, there's Larry Grant with his tattoo. And I don't know if he got this illegally, if he was caught up in that. But um, given how many players did end up getting those free tattoos illegally, quote unquote, by NCAA standards at that time, it was just a funny reminder to be like, oh, yeah, the tattoo scandal at, at Ohio State. Maybe Larry Grant was a part of it because there's his Block O tattoo. Jenkins has one, too, right? A lot of them do. I oh, believe okay. he does. Malcolm Do Jenkins and I were the, at school at the same time. Did you and Malcolm and Cam Jenkins Hayward. get Blocko tattoos together? I don't have a Blocko tattoo. I don't think I'm going to get one. Wow. So you didn't go to Ohio State. That's a th- I mean, I did. I just wasn't an athlete there. <laughs> or at least I didn't I mean, play a, a, an actual You were an sport. athlete at the school, so. Yeah, in the you sense that like, I walked to the gym to lift weights yeah. and didn't do any cardio. Hey, like that was my that was my athleticism. You played college baseball though, and went to Ohio State. Air to four, college athlete. Playing college baseball, um, baseball. I don't think I played college baseball. I mean, I redshirted. <laughs> I redshirted at a junior college and then quit. <laughs> I didn't realize you <laughs> so redshirted and quit. <laughs> so, I, uh, I I spent a year by the first year of my college my college life playing baseball and then and then quit so Uh, i I practiced and did a lot of field field prep got really good at raking the first base area are you just bomb at tamping dirt yeah tamping dirt um getting rid of the like making sure the 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 spot right by the bag where everybody dives back on pickoff plays has enough dirt because that can get a little raw throughout a game yeah um oh first baseline too i got really good at that take notes guys it's really smooth there was no Mm. like if you bunted down the first baseline you get a neutral roll it wouldn't go foul or stay in it was that's huge i took a a lot of pride in that so that's my (laughs) baseball can we talk about a football game again yeah sure okay uh one play i wanted to highlight was with 1246 to go in the third alex smith has a ball snapped really high up kind of up over his head he corrals it as he's picking it up I I didn't I didn't catch the the defensive lineman but a defensive lineman starts to wrap him up he shakes that guy off rolls out looks down the field shakes off another sack attempt and then runs ahead for three yards finishes the run hard like lowers his shoulder into the defensive back and winds up gaining three yards and then on the ensuing fourth and two uh, Alex Smith rolls to his right and finds Vernon Davis, who makes a catch and like tiptoes inbounds, which I didn't know he had in him. And then two plays later, he does it again on the sideline. So really awesome play by Alex Smith. And I, I mentioned earlier how his his he there was some revisionist history on how good he is, but I think part of the reason. There, there are such fond memories of Alex Smith in that 2011 season. Was one, it was super unexpected, but two plays like that on that fumbled snap where he kept the play alive, used his athleticism to gain yards when he could have lost 15, and just kind of the the toughness to to finish that run and not like step out of bounds right. was was just kind of representative of the the player he he was and is. So so he was um, wanted to highlight that play pretty bad in the first half yeah not great six of 15 43 yards in the first half second half uh which started with a a really nice big play to to michael crabtree on the first snap of of the third quarter second half he went eight of 11 for 136 yards including those back-to-back catches from from vernon davis that set up frank gore's touchdown the only touchdown the niners scored in the game um and he was also hurt by the fact that Vernon Davis sort of bobbled a, a catch and didn't keep two feet in bounds. That would have put the 49ers at first and goal, I think, inside the five. Really nice throw. Um, just a bad Vernon Davis play. Um, and then Michael Crabtree, I think, on the same possession had a ball. It would have been a tough catch, but he leapt for it and didn't bring it down. And so those were two plays that... Probably, given that Smith only threw for 43 yards in the first half, those those two plays might have combined for, for the same amount. 
Um, so if he would have gotten a little bit of help, his numbers would have looked better. But yeah, overall, not not a good first half. So let's, unless there's something else you wanted to highlight from uh, the first half, let's or from that from that game, let's let's hit a break and get to our categories. Sure. Guys, sports are coming back, including potentially the NFL, although that's TBD. Um, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Baseball's coming up, uh, and EPL's been back, which I've really been enjoying watching. Um, and there's no better place to start with betting on sports than our exclusive online partners, Bet Online. Get in the action for this this week's big UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the EPL. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. What's the 49ers over under? Do you know? Ten and a half. You going over or under? I'm going over. I think they're I 11 think or 12 in team. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going over because I, I think that it. They can have some things go wrong and still win eleven games. Yeah, it, it would it would take a lot of things not going their way, I think, for them to win ten or fewer. So I'm yeah, all right. So check out futures at Bet Online or check out their daily simulations of Madden and NBA Two K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, they're your online wagering experts. So let's get to some categories. Yeah. Um, I love categories. This is my favorite part. Let's let's start with the turning point because there's okay. there's a couple of good options here. I'll, I'll do mine first because yeah. it, it came earlier in the game. The Seahawks had a third and goal from the one with less than two minutes left in the first half, leading seven to three. And it looks for all intents and purposes like they're going to go up 14-3 to going into the half and really have control of the game. But the, I don't know if they thought a whistle blew or what, but Tavares Jackson takes the snap and just nobody moves. It's so bizarre. And so Jackson tries to make a play himself, and he, he tries to run to the left corner of the end zone and, uh, and gets knocked out of bounds. Uh, short of the goal line and they wind up kicking a field goal to make it 10 to 3 and so I think if it's 14 to 3 I don't think the Niners win this game so staying within a touchdown there to me was was the turning point because as you said the Niners went on a 16 to 3 run and, and wound up winning the game yeah, I think I think that's a good call. I think what happened there and Charles Davis the uh analyst during the game pointed this out that um it looked like the Seahawks left tackle moved early and Michael Robinson, the fullback, sort of reacted to that by not doing anything, thinking the play was going to get blown dead, and it never got blown dead. So Jackson took the snap, and about like 60% of the Seahawks offense just sort of stood still, and then Jackson tried to run uh, to the left pylon, and Carlos Rogers, who had a really nice game, um, hit him hit him with the shoulder and kept him from scoring on a, on a crucial third down, like you mentioned. So that's um, that is a good, uh, a big turning point. I wrote down the, the first completion of the second half for the 49ers, uh, the big one, I think it was 21 yards from Smith to Crabtree over the middle that, that sort of looked like it got Smith in rhythm, but I think tr- the, the, the better answer would be just the 41 yard catch that Crabtree made in the fourth quarter yeah. that ultimately set up the go ahead score. Yeah. Cause um, there was that penalty on Braylon Edwards that made it a second and 18. Yeah, Braylon Edwards, two penalties, one catch. He had his offensive pass interference came on an incompletion. <laughs> like Alex Smith threw the ball away. You know, and I'm noticing for, a lot of Braylon Edwards slander, and Braylon Edwards went to Michigan. I'm sensing a bias. No, I, I just I've been watching 2011 Braylon Edwards, and it's just astounding to me that he ha- he was a key point, <laughs> yeah, a key player on the offense. Yeah. I think it speaks to the on fact a, that the 49ers receivers were so bad that they had to rely on that went Carolina to the Edwards. NFC title game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he had a block in the back penalty, which is stupid, on a red zone possession, which I think led to a 49ers field goal. Um, and he also had a offensive PI on an incompletion throwaway, which is... You, you don't see that a whole lot. No, it's hard to do. Um, 
you have to really be in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. But Michael Crabtree saved Christmas. Uh, you remember this game was on Christmas Eve. That's why we keep mentioning Christmas. And uh, so it negated Braylon Edwards' big big penalty, which would have Cra- been big really at the good time. Michael Crabtree game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was very optimistic about Michael Crabtree at this point in time. Michael Crabtree's final numbers: five catches, eighty-five yards, six targets. Yeah, good game. Vernon, four catches, eight targets, 54 yards. And then nobody had multiple catches. Frank Orr had one. Kendall Hunter had one. Braylon Edwards won on a uh, stop route, believe it or not. Kyle uh, Williams caught one one pass on five targets. Four yards. Bruce Miller, one catch, three yards. Uh, Guys we forgot existed. You had a really good one that you texted me in all caps when you started watching the game. Yeah. Um, shout out to Atari Bigby. Yeah, big Atari I, Bigby. I remember Atari Bigby being a a Packers player for a long time. He played 2011 for the Seahawks, and I had zero recollection of this. And he came in and made a tackle near the line of scrimmage in the first half. I was like, oh, Atari Bigby, great name, and like decent player had had a nice career with the Packers and came over to Seattle and was like just a. a a a very random 2011 player that I had forgot existed. What was yours? Mine was Chris Clemens. Okay. Who was really, really good for the Seahawks from 2010 to 2012. He fell off a little bit in 2013, but he had 33 and a half sacks through those three seasons and had six pressures in this game and was just, uh, uh, excuse me, four pressures in this game. Uh, three hurries. He was just kind of all over the place. So, Chris Clemens, who, with that with that Seahawks defense becoming as good as it was, is easy to kind of forget about some of the good players that were on it. Right. But, um, Chris Clemens is the guy that. Did you get any Chris Jones and potentially Javon Kinlaw vibes from Brandon Meebane and Red Bryant? Because I kind of did. I didn't pay that close of attention. Okay. Um, because Robert Salas said at one point that uh, DJ Jones, did I say Chris Jones? I meant DJ Jones. Yeah. DJ Jones um, reminded him of Brandon Meebane, and I never really paid much attention to Brandon Meebane, but watching him in this game, I was like, oh, I get what he's saying because he's a smaller nose tackle. And then you have Red Bryant, who's like, you know, 6'5 or whatever and massive like Javon Kinlaw Do you think DJ Jones models his game after Brandon Meebane? <laughs> Inside jokes, he might. Him, folks. He, he uh, might. What was there any? Were there any good game breaks? You watched the full version of the game. Yeah. I watched the condensed version. Uh, what good game breaks did we have? We didn't really have any any super notable ones. Um, the Seahawks were still technically in the running for a wild card spot in the playoffs with the Detroit Lions, um, and the Lions were dominating game breaks because you know obviously they were. They were uh, intertwined there in terms of um, battling for a postseason spot. They were dominating the Chargers um, and clinched a playoff berth, I believe, by getting their tenth win. And those are like their first ten win season in like twenty years or or whatever. And then they wound up losing in the first round to the Saints on the road. But um, yeah, it was Matt Stafford, prime Matt Stafford against uh, prime Phil Rivers and. Um, in Detroit, but the Lions really put it on them and, and had, had the town of Detroit buzzing ultimately before losing in, in the first round. But that was it. That was it for game breaks. There wasn't it there wasn't like a, an awesome Cam Newton game like we had previously. Bummer. Yeah. Hate to see it. Um uh, some good ticker lines though. Yeah, some really good ticker lines. I was I was getting back to I had gone away from, from a page I wanted for this. Peyton Hillis came up on the ticker line, and that's a name that people are going to remember because his one notable season was such an outlier, and his one notable season came the year before this. In 16 games at the Browns, he rushed for 1,177 yards and 11 touchdowns. He also had 61 catches for 477 yards and two touchdowns. And got the cover of Madden. Got the cover of Madden. And that was after two pretty pretty 
not notable years in Denver. He had 397 rushing yards and six touchdowns, kind of as a as a fullback. One of the things about Peyton Hillis, and first of all, those 1,177 rushing yards were 41.5% of his career rushing yards, and they all came in 2010, and he played seven years in the league. Remember, do you remember what college Peyton Hillis went to? Uh, no. He went to Arkansas, and he mm. was in a backfield with Felix Jones and Darren McFadden. So oh. the Razorbacks had three okay. notable NFL guys in their backfield all at one time. Classic case of, you know, maybe a guy who hasn't produced so much in college, but you gotta you gotta look past the box score mm-hmm. and evaluate the 100%. situation. Right. Their Good job by the Browns. Their, their quarterback, I think his name was Casey Dick, and he was so bad that they just started putting Darren McFadden at quarterback and calling it the wild hog. And huh. I believe they beat number one LSU two years in a row or maybe just one year i forget exactly it was still pretty young at that point but good knowledge yeah. i don't I'm remember a big darren anything McFadden guy. i have a darren mcfadden arkansas jersey no you don't i swear to god wow that's impressive thanks man big um, big darren mcfadden guy you wrote down tim tebow's line from yes. from this sunday it's a great one 13 of 30 185 yards four interceptions 34 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns <laughs> like he's just a fullback playing quarterback. What were we doing? But he beat the Pittsburgh Steelers two weeks later yeah. in the opening round of the playoffs. Boy, did he! Which we talked about in we'll the last always, Old Rush episode. We'll always cherish that. Shout out to Neil Cole. Yeah. Uh, things we forgot happened. I forgot that the Seahawks blocked a punt that I'm certain I swore at and said something about how the game is over. Yeah, I'm. I'm disappointed. In that, I mean, I'm glad you were that guy at the bar, but I'm disappointed that being that guy at the bar didn't bleed over to Twitter because you you probably had a really awesome tweet in you that you wanted to fire off on upon watching the blocked punt that nearly lost the 49ers the game, but you didn't, and that that makes me a little a little sad for this episode because it could have been so good. It could have been really good. I don't have a I don't have very many good tweets. I did That's have not true. what was what was the one about that I sent you uh when I when I, I I'm pretty sure I was drunk at this point. I forgot exactly when this tweet was sent. It was on Christmas Day, but it was at 7:42 a.m. So I might have still been drunk from the night before. But anyways, mm. I said, when I say grace tonight, I'm going to ask Jesus <laughs> to teach Vernon Davis to catch the effing ball, mm. which is really strong content by me. It now makes sense why. Oh, hey, I'm up to 9,800 followers. Uh, why I have so oh. many Twitter followers. Yeah. Um, I had forgotten in this game that Delaney Walker broke his jaw and was lost for the season. I have no recollection of that. Yeah, he was on the ground and took a knee to the face that ended up, like, turning his helmet and flipping his helmet off. Um, And he didn't play again. They brought the card out. He was done for the year. This obviously happened late in the regular season, so he didn't come back for the playoffs. And um, based on what we know now, Delaney Walker, probably a pretty notable absence from, uh, from the postseason. I bet he would do the pod. Delaney? Yeah. All right. I'm going to try and get a hold of some people and see if we can get Delaney Walker on the board. All right. You're a big Titans guy. Huge Titans guy. You're ingrained in the Titans blogger community. Well, that's what because... So when I started writing for the Titans... Delaney Walker, sidebar here. Uh, when I started writing for the Titans, I knew nothing about the Titans. But Delaney Walker was there. And so I just kind of latched on to... Anytime he did something notable, I had context for it. Right. So I wrote a lot about Delaney Walker. And... Um, Titans fans don't read my blog that much or at all. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, no. So his Facebook page, his official Facebook page would, anytime I would post a Delaney Walker thing would post it. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, shout out to Delaney Walker, big fan. I was the top fan on his Facebook page for a while because I would always like it and like comment or whatever. And Facebook's top fan algorithm is really weird. So I got to be Delaney Walker top fan for a while. I didn't even know Facebook had a top fan algorithm. Yeah, I'm, I spend I, I don't spend nearly as much time on Facebook as I 
as I did when I was younger, but it's still way too much. Yeah, any time on Facebook is too much. That's a great point. Um, uh, winners and losers? Yeah. So I put Alex Smith as a winner just because of what he did in the second half. Mm. Eight, 11, 8 of 11, 136 yards, bouncing back after the 6 of 15, 43 yards. Completed a few passes on the touchdown drive that obviously was massive in the game and, and connected with Michael Crabtree on probably one of his best throws of the season. Um, the really 41 nice yarder. Crabtree, too. Yeah. Um, Crabtree, Crabtree saved Christmas. So, yeah, yeah I'm, going, I'm going Alex Smith as my first winner. Uh, I also listed Crabtree. Yeah, he was. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. He was really good. Yeah. Larry Grant, big winner here. He had the what effectively sealed the game uh, and forced a fumble on on Tavares Jackson. The Seahawks had one more possession, but it didn't go anywhere. Uh, but Larry Grant, really good game, uh, filling in for Patrick Willis. And another thing, I'm, I'm glad you put him in the winners because while he he did have the the strip sack on Tavares Jackson, on the 49ers ensuing possession, they punted. And Larry Grant had a really nice tackle on the punt return that mm. that possibly kept it from from breaking. So um, Larry Grant, really good game from him. Hidden yardage. It's it's out there. We can also probably get Larry Grant on the pot if we want. Potentially, him. I could talk to him about Santa Rosa and Ohio State and Ohio State. Um. Yeah, Larry Grant, good game. Uh, Carlos Rogers allowed three catches on seven targets, and I just thought it was overall really good. Good in coverage, um, and had that big hit on Tavares Jackson at the goal line that we mentioned earlier before halftime that prevented them from from scoring a touchdown there and holding them to a field goal on that botched third down play. Um, really nice Carlos Rogers game. The hit reminded me of Darcel McBath in the Super Bowl against the Ravens when the Ravens tried the fake field goal and I believe it was the holder ran around the left side and McBath smacked him down short of uh of the first down so I do not remember the the Ravens running a fake field goal yeah that that happened and Darcel McBath was there um I was at that game oh I didn't know that yeah neato Um, we're not doing a rewatch on that by the way I don't want to watch that game again okay I don't know if fans want to listen to us talk about that no, game. No, for sure they don't. Um Larry Grant too. Most... Actually back to Larry Grant. I had a thought that I forgot about. He was really good in the in the Steelers game we did last time. Like Larry Grant yeah. at the end of the season filling in for Pat Willis did a really nice job. He did. He was he was excellent. I remember thinking that at the time because the Rams, so the Niners had signed him as an undrafted free agent, I think. And then they cut him and he went to the Rams and then the Rams cut him and they picked him up again. And he had a nice game uh, against the Rams when Willis got hurt in the game the Niners clinched the NFC West and was just really solid. Like, he obviously wasn't Patrick Willis, but um, if the 49ers this year in, in our last podcast, we talked about their, their linebacker group and how, how solid it is up top, but how many question marks there are outside of the starters, if they can find a backup linebacker who's the quality of Larry Grant at the end of 2011, they'll be set. Um, can I make an addition to the winners list? Fine. Uh, Navarro Bowman. Mm. 12 tackles, game high, uh, a sack, two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, and a PBU. Look at that. Navarro Bowman all over the place. Wouldn't you he know? Was, he was excellent in 2011. I feel like he, if he rushed the passer 15 times, he had 15 quarterback hits. And... 11 of them would come via his spin move. Yeah. He had a really nasty really, spin really move. Like it, it was one of those spin moves that he could tell you it's coming and you still couldn't stop it yeah. because he would leverage his steps in such a way that like he would take an inside step with his left foot and just explode off of it and spin the other direction. And it was just like, wow, he's, he's at the quarterback. I always, uh, Navarro Bowman sidebar. I always have in my head that Navarro Bowman's like 38. He is 32 years old and just turned 32. Yeah, he looks great. It turns out tearing your ACL and MCL and Achilles is not good for playing football. Yeah. Yeah. Significant, significant bummer because he was was on his way to Canton, I think. Yeah, and I think he should have won Defensive Player of the Year in 2013. Absolutely agree. Uh, Losers, we've talked a lot about Braylon Edwards. And uh, I think two penalties, one catch. 
tough. Very tough scene for a wide receiver. Like it's and really like, hard to get penalized as a wide receiver. And they weren't like false starts or legal formation, <laughs> like five yarders. There was like offensive PI and a block in the back in the red zone. Like offensive PI in the fourth quarter, if not for Michael Crabtree's 41 yard catch, like Braylon Edwards would be the reason the 49ers lost. And probably didn't make the NFC championship. Yeah. Rough. Second um, loser. Drop it on me. Didn't love Jim Harbaugh's play calling. Really weird, like... Lots of, like, third and six runs. But also going for it on the wrong side of midfield on fourth and six. Just a strange, strange, a lot of strangeness. Third, three and three of 14 on third down. Just like, look, man, like, I get playing to your defense. Right. But... I think there was a third and goal from the 13 after Braylon Edwards um, block in the back. Like, they ran a run. They they ran a running play on third and 13. Like, on the road. Like, you just... I know you have a good defense, but, like, try to score points. Right? Yeah. Is that controversial? No. I... No, I... I, I guess... Like, Alex Smith hadn't done a lot to kind of instill trust at this point, and it's not like with Delaney Walker out, they have yeah. Vernon Davis, who, uh, like, look, I, I I love Vernon Davis, but he wasn't built for these kind of games, so probably not super reliable guy against a defense like the Seahawks. Um, and then it's Michael Crabtree, and like you said, Kyle, Kyle Williams, Williams had one catch on on five targets. He had Braylon Edwards. He had Brett Swain. Yeah, D- but like, Justin Peel, I think is that his name, Justin yeah. Peel. But that that's all true. But like, you still at least got to give yourself a chance to score a touchdown. Yeah, but when you have an All Star kicker like or a Pro Bowl kicker, I got baseball in the mind. When you have a Pro Bowl <laughs> kicker like David Akers. You want to get the ball a field goal on his. Game. You want to get the ball on his foot. It's called football, after all. That was the worst thing I've ever said. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was. Pretty I'm really bad. sorry. I'm sorry for everybody. Um, yeah, interesting game. Weird game. Crabtree really, saved Christmas. Have we a rare win in Seattle? We haven't. We've done what I say six of these now, and not a single one has been like, oh, good game. It's always been like, weird, weird, strange game. Yeah. It's just week kind of one was weird. Game. The Lions Jim game Harbaugh. was weird. The Eagles game was weird. The Steelers game wasn't that weird. Was it weird? Well, I'm trying to remember. James Harrison didn't play. Um, oh, yeah, the lights went out twice. The lights went out twice. Yeah, that was pretty weird. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was hurt and threw three interceptions. It was. Yeah, yeah they didn't. I guess that's that's just sort of a characteristic. The Gi- no, the Giant the Giants game was good, I guess. Yeah. It was weird in that a team in the NFC title game like the 49ers just couldn't do anything like explosively offensively. Yeah. yeah. That's that's that'll always be weird. The the Jim Harbaugh the entire 49ers era with Jim Harbaugh was just weird. It was. It was just it was like yeah, it's just this three-year stretch of awesome teams and then it was gone yeah you had alex smith getting benched halfway through his most efficient season to date um you had all the weirdness that included colin kaepernick's meteoric rise then you had internal strife internal strife and like the reports coming out and I remember I was in Dallas covering week one in 2014 and I woke up Sunday morning. I think it was Jay Glazer who reported that like, well, no matter what happens, the 49ers could win the Super Bowl and Jim Harbaugh is not coming back. And I'm like, I don't believe this. (laughs) This is so, so weird. Over the final, uh, this is unrelated to anything. I just, I was closing out some tabs and I I stumbled across this because my eyes hit it. Over the final five weeks of the season... Uh, one of the things with these Jim Harbaugh, with this particular Jim Harbaugh team, was they were awesome at the turnover column. We mm-hmm. mentioned Alex Smith didn't turn the ball over a lot. He threw five interceptions. The Niners only lost five fumbles all year. Meanwhile, they forced thirty-eight turnovers. 
over the final five weeks, they did not turn the ball over, and they forced 12. Wild. And they lost one of those games. But they did have the block punt, which is basically a turnover. That's true. Well, hey, F me, right? Forget my point. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a, it, it was a strong <laughs> point. But it proves, it like, the block punt, I it came out of nowhere. I was like... You know, Especially because like, the Niners, the special teams were so freaking good all year. Yeah, yeah, and you're. I was wondering, like, I was like, how are the Seahawks gonna score here? Because the offense really wasn't doing anything. Yeah, the Niners' defense was really playing well, and then it was like, oh, block punt. Oh, Seattle has it at the four. Oh, Marshawn Lynch is in. <laughs> it's like, hey, I wanted to say this earlier. Watching prime Marshawn Lynch again was so fun. Yeah, he was oh. unbelievable. How about how about Larry Grant getting fed Skittles oh, by incredible. a 49ers fan in the front row behind the Niners sideline? Incredible flex. I love that. Yeah. Um yeah, Prime Marshawn was good. He just like cuz he's so powerful but there that move he does where he s- cuts back but just kind of like he like veers it's yeah. such a, I don't even know how to describe it, but he was he's such a like unique running back and watching him run at his at his prime again was was really fun because that was an awesome 49ers defense and they just didn't have an answer for him. He runs with his legs like really kind of like wide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he has I think he has more balance than any running back I've watched at least in this era. Frank Gore has really good balance, but it was different though. Yeah, Marshawn was man, it was um, it's really good. I don't miss those Seahawks uniforms. Oh, they're just, they suck, dude. Those ones were bad. They're they're, they're they're current ones are fine. Their their old ones were not good. Whatever color the helmet was was just bad and yeah, like what, the multiple what would you blues. Even call that? Was that blue? Was it green? Seafoam? Yeah, it, it was bad. I mean, it, there's a reason why they change it the next year. Yeah, it's very tough. Ugly, ugly uniforms. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say about this game. I don't either. It was weird. Crabtree saved Christmas. I am amped to watch the divisional playoff game against the Saints. Niners Saints. That'll be the next yeah. one. Yeah. You, you don't want to do Rams Week Seventeen. Uh, no. That's a that was a weird game though because the Niners kind of a barn were, burner. Well, the Niners were up a bunch late. They Anthony Dixon scored a, a touchdown to make it thirty-four to thirteen with six and a half minutes left. The Rams score on their next drive on a 36-yard pass from Kellen Clemens to Brandon Lloyd. They get the onside kick. Clemens throws a bomb towards the end zone. Pass interference in the end zone. Cadillac Williams scores on the next play. So the Rams scored a touchdown to pull within 14 with 4.49 left. And 13 seconds of game clock ticked off before they scored their next touchdown and made it a seven-point game with 4.36 left. Where did you just pull all that out from? My head. Wow. I'm joking. It, it was I, I had the game pulled up on... Because on, I, I, I had just so opened remember, the box score and, and the thing that like popped out to me, I was like, oh, Cadillac Williams, wow. But no, so, totally forgot he was on the Rams. So here's... here's uh, since we're not going to do that game, I'm going to tell this story <laughs> real quick. Okay. So I'm very superstitious. And my mom and I used to text during every Niner game. And during the Eagles game earlier in this season, I had gotten so frustrated that I had just set my phone aside and was not talking to anybody. The Niners came back, and they win that game. And so I tell my mom, I'm like, hey, no more texting during games. We're done. Niners have a really good year. This game, Anthony Dixon scores that touchdown, and my mom texts me and is like, I think it's safe to text now. And I'm like, yeah, probably. And then, boom, Brandon Lloyd <laughs> touchdown. Boom, onside kick recovery. Boom, pass interference in the end zone. Boom, touchdown. Seven-point game, 436 left. It's like, what the hell just happened? So uh, I had the I had the scoring summary up, but I, I remembered all the other stuff on the top of my head. Booby Dixon. Big Anthony Dixon guy. Played he was every game like it was the Super Bowl. Yeah. Down to scrap, too. He was one of the special teams guys who was, like, ready to fight. I'm not as confident we can get Anthony Dixon on the pod, but I would really like to. I Somebody I know in Santa Rosa knows him. I would, And I forget who, but it was the most random thing. Some random Santa Rosa person I know met went to uh, Mississippi State. 
which is almost as weird as a Santa Rosa native going to Ohio State. But Rayshon Dixon, his brother, played for the Stockton Ports in the A's organization for a while. Good knowledge. Thank you. I think I, I, I knew that, actually. Hit the furthest home run I ever saw a minor leaguer hit in person. Fun fact. Okay, we need to stop talking because uh, people are never going to listen to us again. Hey, this has been Candlestick Chronicles. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review if you haven't. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Another positional breakdown and hopefully another edition of Old Rush. But we'll, we'll see because the NFL might uh, – there might be some NFL news coming out that, that adjusts the offseason schedule and, and forces us to – uh, do a podcast on that instead. So stay tuned. Check your feeds. We'll be coming out with podcasts, regardless of what's going on. Appreciate you guys listening. See ya. Um, Chris Carter, former A's farmhand, hit the longest minor league home run I've ever seen. Really field, Sacramento. You brought up Chris Carter because Chris Carter, the receiver, went to Ohio State. <laughs> no, I this did is not. unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. This is not how this. Works. It all comes back to the to the Ohio State. Okay. <laughs> The Aaron's AA team makes getting the name brand furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. We're talking top brands like HP, Samsung, GE, Beautyrest, and so many more. Take them home today, then make low monthly payments until they're yours for good. Aaron's great rent-to-own deals even come with easy approvals and free delivery. That's Aaron's, the rent-to-own power of the AA team. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.